0: Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry, so you can do church better. I'm your co-host Chris Wesley, not with John Ronaldo, uh, with a little bit of a cold, so part of my voice. But John's not with me right now. But in a minute, we he will join me and Tony Vicinda in a part two of our conversation, Neighborhood Evangelist. In this interview, John, Tony, and I continue our conversation from last episode, where we talk about the amazing things Tony is doing in Philadelphia and beyond, uh, check it out. Uh, It was something I truly enjoyed and my voice sounds a lot better. All right, take care.
1: Well, and I think that's huge because we're talking about building neighborhood communities, neighborhood church, right? That the reality is most Catholic churches by definition, are mega churches, meaning we're so big that you can go to church and no one would know who you are or even say hi to you at mass, and then you can come and go as you please and no one knows. But one of the challenges is how do we, how do we break that down and actually build community, which is, can be sometimes difficult to do during the Sunday experience. Now, what you're doing, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing though is that what you're trying to do is build community outside church property but in the context of of a kind of a a, a Catholic ministry setting, but it's, it's, it's doing life together, right? It's not, yeah. you know, it's not, you know, here's what the Catholic Church teaches, but let's do life together. And, oh, by the way, the more we do life together, the more we get into conversations around whatever, faith, spirituality, relationships, intimacy, all those types of things. Yeah. Am I
2: describing that right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, in a lot of ways, if we're talking about the pathway of discipleship for a parish— like, we're the pavers in the driveway, like, you know, or in the front yard. Like, we're not even in part of that three to five steps. We're, like, just in that pre-evangelization, evangelization mode. Um, and then, like, we're not going to start it. Like, this is the beautiful thing about being Catholic. I'm not going to start a house church. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm not going to say, like, all right, now I'm Pastor Tony. And if I if I ever do this in the future, I would I would hope you guys would hold me accountable for having <laughs> gone insane um, uh, in a number of ways, like departing and being, you know, a heretic all of a sudden. Uh, but... The reality is like that 's not our focus like we don 't have to focus around trying to build that like we are freed up to not to not be burdened by the ecclesial realities of mm-hmm. trying to start that kind of community and are free to just be a family that 's inviting other people into the experience of that family as real and as messy as it is like we've got a we've got a neighbor that i've been i 've been chatting with um, just off and on we met she works at a, a local bakery um, and uh you know she's she 's like i 've got two kids. You know one of them is on the spectrum and we were like oh we shared some of our difficulties with our oldest who was like so so like low sensory disorder like um uh difference level that you wouldn't even know there's anything going on there like it's almost non-diagnosable um just kind of some of our challenges with him and mm. not even being able to understand like what it'd be like to have an infant for whom you sometimes won- only wants to be held by you tightly and other times just can't be touched at all Mm -hmm. um and just some of the things that she's going through like that's been somebody who's just responded through those natural conversations to to being in a relationship um i don't think i don't have any any strong sense right now that that person would ever have any interest in becoming catholic right um that doesn't that doesn't matter to me like that's not our like let me be clear like does tony vicendo want that oh desperately like, desperately, desperately, do I want people to become Catholic? More importantly, do I want people to come to know who Jesus is and experiencing the fullness of that truth, desire to be in relationship with his bride, the church? Absolutely. I'm not in control of that process. Like, I'm not in control of whether that happens in that person's life. All I can do is be present to them, all I can do is love them. And it's so freeing to be in that place. Like it's so freeing to be in a place of saying like, God asked us to do this this simple thing, like love him and love our neighbors and knowing that he will do the work. Like he will do the work of transformation and being able to be have a, a detached ego from that, like that not being about them, me converting that person is such a freeing thing, especially for a strategic thinker like me. Um, And so just being able to to chat with her about like life and what's going on and kids and saying like, bring your family over. Like if one of your kids freaks out and you have to go home, go home. Like we're never going to like, that's fine. Like if one of our kids freaks out in the living room, you don't have to leave though. (laughs) That's not, you know, like that's, that's a normal part of people being in relationship with each other that in, in American Christianity, we oftentimes reject, and it's, it's really a rejection of humanity, right? It's a rejection of the humanity of Christ, the church and, and humankind itself in a lot of ways. And there are a lot of different heresies that are built up around that entire concept of rejecting the humanity of God. Um, and I think lots of times that's translated into low level rejection of humanity of people in the church also too, because we expect this kind of sanitized version of life. Um, that's not meant to glorify, right? Like right. the those moments, but it's meant to say those are normal. Those are beautiful moments, mm-hmm. and that's where healing and redemption and love actually come in. Um, one of the worst things I've said about this entire process was, we moved here and were part of a local Facebook community for our neighborhood, um, and getting on there, like there's some really beautiful things that happened. Like the other day, somebody was like, "I hit this person's car. I knocked on all the doors nearby." Um, here's the intersection, here's the street. Like I, I blocked out their license plate number, but if this is your car, I don't know how else to get in touch with this person. And I don't want somebody to just think I hit and run. You know, like right. it's a really beautiful like thing. And everybody was like, the person was like, don't judge me at first. And nobody was judging them because it's like, you're a truly decent human being <laughs> right. who was going anywhere. I was like, call the cops and let them know because otherwise you are going to get in trouble for a hit and run. But when they call and say somebody hit my car, then that person they'll report that and they'll get get you in touch with that person. Um, But most of the stuff that comes out through that group is absolute like dumpster fire level of like horrible human interaction. Like it is, it is, it's, the group is called like Roxborough rants and sometimes raves. Like it's, it's really basically about people just going off like a classic, like Peter Griffin, what's grinding my gears. Like, moment and so it's just about how horrible things in the neighborhood are and Mm -hmm. I got here and I was like man it's somebody who moved here to like help care for my neighbor and love them like seeing that is actually super reaffirming like seeing that like people are angry and people are upset and people don't like the way their lives are like if you showed if I showed up here and everybody was like yeah everything's good like things are great like we're already all in a relationship with each other and we all love each other. That might be a great place to live, but it wouldn't be an affirmation of what I felt like God placed on my heart and moving here. The reality is those, those struggles and that humanity and that, that difficulty and those divisions are actually a lot, a sign of, of God placing us here in an intentional way. In a lot of ways, like what we oftentimes think of as the stones of life, like the things that we want to get rid of. Like, I don't want those people to be upset, I don't want those people to be hurting, I don't want be people to be angry, but if I felt like God put me here to help move those things, right? To help change those things, to so take those those rocks in the soil and rearrange them into a beautiful tapestry, um, or some sort of like amazing landscaping structure, um, then, that's an analogy, guys, this is what I meant earlier. Um, <laughs> the Then, um, like that's a huge sign of affirmation, rather than being like, everything's good, everything's yeah. good, yeah. you know? Um, so, is part of your mission then? I mean, you haven't said this, so
1: I'm just going to ask the question. Is part of your mission to get other people to consider doing this type of neighborhood model, or is this just something that's like on your heart for your family? It's like, we're just doing this because this is what God is calling us to do. And if other people want to jump on board and do these types of things, great, but that's not our intention. We're not training for that. Tell me how well, what you're how well about you
2: know that. me, how much you look into my heart, John Rinaldo, and know who I am. <laughs> um would would any of the three of us ever do a project and not have some sort of lens about how would i help other people do the same thing uh i don't i don't believe i don't believe that that's, that's <laughs> for i was, gonna say, I was gonna say this conversation yeah. um it is so hard to not have that lens and it's important to not have that lens right now that said do i think about that yes And it is part of our 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 structure set up to help people do that. Yeah. So I talk about kind of four movements for what we're trying to do. Um, The first is just, this is is our pathway of discipleship, right? Um, The first is incarnate, right? To be be present, to be here in the community, to live locally. Um, Like everything we do, we try to do within about a mile of where we live, um, which is good because that's about a 20 minute walk. Um, anywhere in this area which is not flat by the way. Um, And so uh, like our grocery store is about a mile away, our parish is about a mile away, the bakery and the coffee shop that we go to um, some mornings is about a mile away. Um, Our kids schools are about half a mile away. you know the, the everything everything is right here that we we need and we try to live as locally as possible we got rid of our car um so that we have to walk so we have to take public transportation because i wouldn't otherwise um I'm a, I'm a bad person that way um and so like but being just present and being in our community is absolutely just the primary movement, like showing up and being there and learning to love and be a member of the community is a huge part of it. So that's movement number one. The next two movements can kind of come in either order, but we always start with like, uh, proclaim, which is basically like we, we would think of as just like sharing life together. Like you talked about, like that is when we sit at a table with somebody, when we have a meal with somebody like being intentional about sharing our life experiences and asking them about their life experiences. Um, I do a podcast that's been on hiatus for the last little bit, but it's about to come back called the threshold where I do threshold conversations, which comes out of, uh, Sherry Waddell's work that we mentioned earlier. Um, Which is just like basically saying, like, what's your experience of life and faith and just listening to people and having a conversation around that. And so table fellowship for us looks like that. It looks like praying because we're a Catholic family, but not insisting um, that other people pray and just being in a relationship with people. Um, And so that that proclamation is sometimes direct teaching if they ask a question, but it's not responding to questions that no one asked. Right. Like it's not saying, um, hey, I don't know the desires of your heart because I don't know you. But I'm going to go ahead and respond to what I think is the desire of your heart. That incarnation piece grounds us in the ability to actually know what are the desires of the heart of the people in this neighborhood? What are the dreams that God has for them? And what's the dreams that they have for themselves? And how do those two things meet? And how are we able to speak into that? Um, And so that's that's a huge part of that. And then demonstrate, which demonstrate as kind of twofold. It is both like, hey, if somebody needs help moving in or out, like we're there. You know, if somebody's uh, has a sick family member and needs help, or needs somebody to, like, watch their kid while they run to the store, like, we're there. Um, if somebody can't mow their lawn, um, I'll send one of my teenage sons to go do it. You know, like the uh, the reality is, it's it's in, it's it's an extension of that incarnation, not just being here, but doing here and saying mm-hmm. like, we're here for you. Um, how, how can we be of service? But the other part of that is also the, the supernatural dimension of that. So are we praying for people? Are we asking God to intercede in their life? Are we, uh, and that's not just like when we go home at night, but just saying like to somebody who's experiencing a traumatic experience in their life, hey, is, is it okay if we pray right now? For healing for your child, is it okay if we pray right now for peace in your life? Is it okay mm-hmm. if we, if we actively bless you and we, for us expecting God to show up um, in supernatural ways during that process, knowing that like we don't understand why god chooses to do things sometimes and not other times and all those all those different dynamics but demonstrate is both the 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 extension of that incarnational element and then the supernatural reality mm-hmm. of being prayerful for people and then the last the last movement is a quip and that's right now that is really largely focused at how are we giving other people resources so we have a patreon patreon.com/hobl that's like house of broken loaves um, and uh, we are basically documenting our process there. So I'm a little behind right now just because we went to Puebla a couple of weeks ago. And then we're getting ready for NCYC right now. But every month our family kind of takes on a practice. Um, And I don't like with my kids, I'm not like, here's our practice for the month, kids. Like, let's sit down and daddy's going to teach you a 15 minute lesson on how to do like, it's none of that. It's it's family prayer at the end of the night. Hey, this month, what I really want us to focus on for our neighbors uh, and for our house is this, you know, and our kids always think it's weird. Like, it's always like a moment of like, let's make fun of dad a little bit, which is fine. Um, and <laughs> but, so like this month, yes. it's just dreaming. Like <clears throat> it's, and that is both like, let's actually vision and hope around what could happen in our neighborhood, and our household. Like, let's have conversations mm. around that. Let's talk about where we're putting things in our house, which my wife and I never agree on. Um, and let's talk about like how things are arranged to help create a space of hospitality and welcome that's beautiful, but also speaks to who we are. <laughs> Um, as as Catholics, but also as individuals. And then um, within that, um, also being open to the supernatural reality that God may be revealing things to us or to our kids through the way we're dreaming and sleeping at night. So as we do evening prayer together, like just saying like, God revealed to us your hopes within our dreams, you know, and just being open to that. And even as I reminded me, last because if you're having like interesting dreams, I do want to hear about them. They were like, I had really a really weird dream the other night that da, da, da. And I was like, cool. Not exactly what I'm talking about, (laughs) (laughs) but great. Like maybe, you know? Um, And so, so it's both of those things. And so it's kind of saying like, what is God's dream for our neighbors? Right. What is God's dream for us? Right. And then what are the dreams we're actually practically having? And is there a way that God may be speaking to us through that? And then like we, I just kind of document that. So I introduce like, why is that a practice for us? Why do we think that's important? Um, You know, and that's just like an audio journal slash podcast. If you want to connect it to your, your, itunes account um and then we put together like a little worksheet right like that just kind of breaks that down so if somebody wanted to do it in their house the parent would have the information they needed to or if they're a type a individual they could actually like track it and have a journal which i'm not that person (laughs) but i know how to make that person happy and so um so that's that's kind of what we're doing so equipping Right now is is really for the church. It's like if you're interested and you're somewhere else, you're someone else. Like, um, like that's like we're equipping you. Long term equipping really would be like if people are experiencing transformation and are like, this way of living has impacted us. The way the vicendas live. Like, how do we do that in our neighborhood? Um, like locally, like other people in our neighborhood, we would be able to say like, here's how we start. Here's what we did. Like, we'd love to be on this journey with you. We'd love to be like loving our neighborhood um, together. Like I would more than just love to having people doing this in other places. I would love to have, you know, five to 10 households out of the 200 households in our neighborhood mm-hmm. that are doing this. Like that yeah. would be my, that would be my, my primary vision. And and it's, it's hard for me to think local. Like mm-hmm. it's not hard for me to act local, but it is hard for me to think local. I'm a very broad thinker and so this is great because it lets me kind of do both at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, and just say like the emphasis has always got to be in the future what what can we actually hand to another another neighbor who's experienced life change um, who's already a disciple right and who just wants to dive in on this because they're feeling the same calling in their heart um, to be able to do that but also for right now if you live somewhere else if you if you you know have if you're in your own neighborhood that you would be able to do the same thing and I don't like People are like, so would they be a house of broken loaves? I do like that's that's dumb. Like that's a name we picked. Like I think they should name their house. Like I think they should name their house based on their own charisms and how they're going to try to live this out. Um, I'm not looking to like monetize and scale and like create a create a organization of a national organization of households across the country. Um, and there's somebody who's interested in in us like putting in for this competition they have right now um, that's got these big cash prizes. And that's what they, they're all very interested in like how you scale this and how you monetize that. And I'm like, okay. look, here's the deal. I don't want to do that. Like, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy if that happens. Like if somebody else wants to come and do that work, like if there's somebody who feels really called to scaling this, that's great. Like what I want to do and what I felt called to do and what I stepped away from is, is ministering to my neighborhood. And what I stepped away from was administrating or an organization instead of evangelization. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I want to be focused on is the actual process and doing the evangelization work. If somebody else wants to come in and build the organizational side of things, I'm totally open to that. I don't want to, my wife doesn't want to either. And so that's not yeah, a, that's not yeah. a conversation. And so, yeah, I mean like that's, that's the not short answer to your question is yes, but you know, no, but that's good because I mean, what you're talking about is living in community,
1: right? And And, and you're doing church, outside of church boundaries. I mean ultimately that's what it is. And, and 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 that's what we struggle with as church. As far as I'm concerned, it's like we can all be nice holy good Catholics when we're on the church grounds, but what does that look like not after home, mass, not on, in the
2: parking lot after not the mass. In the parking I got to I got to get to Starbucks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. But but what you're challenging and, and you and, and I love your focus because your focus is just you and your family, right? You're not, you know, if it scales, if it grows, great. But the intention is how do I become a beacon of light within my Mm -hmm. community, right? Right. And you do that by being in community. And it's actually quite honestly, the way you describe it is incredible. But if I could be so bold to say it's not a new model no. it's, it's 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 what's been done over the years in many different ways that's how the church started right that's what Mother Teresa did when she just came into Calcutta and started to serve it, in some senses that's community organizing that's the right. model of community organizing right um you know is is get to know people be part of the community uh and, and know what their hurts and desires and joys are. You can only do that by living together, but yeah. it takes being out of our comfort zone because quite honestly, what you are doing right now, you are a, you are, you said charismatic, right? You're charismatic. You're very well formed in what it means to be a Catholic Christian and what that looks like. Uh, and, and, and you are in a place that you can do that, which is really awesome. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how this picks up and how people, uh, can model what you're doing, right? Because it's not for everybody. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not sure my family can do what you're doing, trying to do, and that's okay. Everybody's got their own ministry, their own charisms. But, 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 I just I really love what you're describing. But it's not for everybody, right?
2: Right. And I would say but this: like, for everybody, it is to be a good neighbor, right? Yeah. Like, it is for every, it is for all of us to be a good neighbor. Like, there is no way in the gospel to get around that. Mm. Like, God, God is very clear. Now, is it everybody's called to be a missionary? In the same sense that we are in their neighborhood absolutely not absolutely not like if you don't have a charism of hospitality or if you don't have a charism of evangelization or if you don't have a charism of wisdom the type of work that we're doing would seem overwhelming. Mm It would seem overwhelming. You have to have at least one of those to be able to create space. And there's some other charisms that you could have also too that would allow this to happen. But, you know, like if you've got a charism of administration and of craftsmanship, right? Like if you've got basically an artistic skill and an organizational skill, like there are still things you could be doing in your neighborhood To put those to work, and that might be, you know, like, hey, we want to organize people to create a mural in our neighborhood that represents the good that happens here. You know, like, so we're going to talk to our civic organization about that. But it wouldn't necessarily look like a mission base in their neighborhood. So I do think everybody needs to consider how do the gifts that I have contribute to me loving my neighbor, because God tells us we we like that it's 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 not only like a good idea, but that it is essential to the Christian life. Um, But that doesn't look the same for everybody, right? And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: What, what I would add, too, is a lot of what you're describing can be done at, for, for those of us who are in parish ministry, right? Because, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, and this is something that I've always thought about with, with uh, the youth ministries that I've led, where it's kind of like, it's not just showing up and doing a job, right? Like, let's, let's take this back to the, you know, neighborhood where it's not as simple as go home, eat dinner, sleep, you know, wake up, go back to work. It's being aware of the people who are around you, the people who uh, you are present um, with, and you know something that I think, it, at least in youth ministry or ministry where we've gotten away from, is trying to go to after-school activities and watching kids, you know, um, in in their football games or their basketball games. Um, you know, connecting with our volunteers, you know, for a cup of coffee or a bite to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about where my parish is located is when i'm there i don't have to necessarily get my car to get to a place to interact with people we're trying to evangelize you know we have a coffee shop right down the road and um half the baristas are um you know uh uh, atheist or um, agnostic um the other half are you know somewhere you know all over the place in in faith beliefs and, and whatnot and you know, uh, just by showing up and, and getting a cup of coffee, uh, they've gotten to know who I am. And so when I talk about faith, it's not uh, as um, jarring, you know, they, they're not afraid that here comes Chris, the youth minister, who's going to thump his Bible against my forehead and, and hope that I convert, but it, it really is relational and, and build some relationships with that, you know. And same thing even with the local schools, uh, we're blessed in, in Cockeysville, Maryland. We have a middle school principal who is all about connecting with the community. And as soon as like uh, myself and a couple of other, you know, youth, youth workers heard about that, we jumped on that and he was welcoming and we can do ministry actually in the school building, like Christian ministry in the school building and be present for these kids. And, and, um, and, and so like what you're talking about is very, can be transferred in a ministry realm. It's, it's getting away from, well, I'm just going to wait for people to come to me, and really, it's I'm just going to be uh, amongst the people, and right. and and so there's a lot that you can pull from from what you're doing and just apply it to to regular ministry. Yeah.
2: I um I used to talk about and and you know, like it's interesting to look back at the track of God leading me to this place for, like functionally for my entire life. Like a lot of this comes from watching the way my parents lived in our neighborhood growing up and there's a sense of probably some nostalgia in that Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a reality at which our neighborhood was very connected and very much in a relationship and I didn't realize my parents were really a very much a driving force find a lot of that so it's interesting to, to process through some of that but organizationally like so much of what we're doing Really is just good parish ecclesiology that we've just stopped doing mm-hmm. as Catholics. Like the parish is a geogra- it's not a set of buildings. It's a geographic region. That's like right. we have we have right. chopped up the world into <laughs> into into parishes, like into dioceses and into parishes. Like we have gone to the ends of the earth, uh, and we have we have mapped the earth and we have said this is this is this parish's domain. This is this pastor's responsibility, um, based on based on him shouldering the the authority and the responsibility of the bishop, he he then extends to some lay staff, key volunteers, and then the entire faithful. Our responsibility is the Christianization and the salvation of the souls within that geographic region. And you wouldn't know that walking into I would say ninety-nine you know, eight percent of the parishes Absolutely. in the in the U.S. Like there's no sense of entering into parish boundaries. Like when I drive into a neighborhood or a, or a city, and I see the Knights of Columbus um, emblem next to like. Kiwanas and like keys uh, and, um, and the rotary guild and other things on like the city signs. Have you guys ever seen this as you mm-hmm. it, It's like all the, yeah, winter. I see the Knights of Columbus on there. Like, I'm like, it's still probably not as much as it should be, but there's an understanding of this is an organization that's for, the city there's a presence there's a yeah. presence and that's actually a really huge sign of hope even though again like it may just be like hey we really want to get our side up there next to all these other service organizations it may not have anything to do with sharing the gospel but it is a sign of hope and a sign of presence mm-hmm. um i remember there's a there's a new parish uh, Leadership Institute out of Seattle. It's a Protestant organization. We were talking to my pastor because one of the guys there, Tim Staples came and did a presentation at their like little ecumenical pastors brunch. And I was like, what did you think about it? And he goes, well, I just think we already have parishes. So it's probably more helpful for Protestants. And I said, yeah, but do we operate our parishes in the way that he's talking about? It? He goes, what do you mean? I said, do we actually operate our parishes as if they're geographic boundaries in which we're working as the salvation of the souls of everybody in there? Or do we just operate it as a building? And he just goes, and he's a totally receptive pastor, like beautiful, yeah. beautiful disciple. And he just goes, oh, no, we don't. <laughs> go, right. Like they just took Catholic theology and said, as Protestants, we're going to go do it. Right. Like, we're actually going to go do it. Wow. Um, we didn't have to even come up with it. Uh, we didn't have to name it. We didn't have to do anything else. We just had to take everything Catholics are supposed to be doing and aren't and say, we're going to do that now. Um, and so in a lot of ways, this, this is that. Like in the Protestant world, what we're doing is the opposite of innovative. It's it's normal. Like there are people who are planning house churches or doing neighborhood ministry or um, creating open spaces within their homes in which anybody can come by anytime they want. Like it's not it's not out of the ordinary for them to have table fellowship um, or even even like community reconciliation, where like they come to, together before a meal and actually confess what they've done wrong to each other and seek reconciliation in their relationships. Like they're mm. they're they're seeking to take all these Catholic practices and and work them into a way of life that fits within their protestant mindset and we as catholics are are completely ignoring all the gifts of the church that we have that we've established over the ages and actually just doing them and so like when people talk about how innovative this is exactly to john's point earlier like i'm just like i mean but it's not like it's incarnational theology it's 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 the it's actual like parish ecclesiology like none of this is new we just stopped doing it And God put us on my heart and and the heart of other people. Like there are other like stone to flesh out in California as they operate a little bit more as a school, but it's, it's very functionally the same thing. And he Hickman and his Del Rey like front porch initiative is doing something very similar and we each have different charisms. So we're each doing it in a different way and each looking Mm -hmm. at it through a different lens. Um, But this is obviously something that's stirring in the hearts of the faithful right now. And I think a huge part of it, it is hard when people are like, so how would you do this at a parish? And my response is just like, I could take some of these practices and do them at a parish, but I wouldn't try to start a parish neighboring ministry. Like, I think that would be the worst idea in the world because you can't, you'd have to, you'd have to manage it to death. Like you'd have to manage it to death, the liability, all those other things. The big thing is how would I do it? I would baptize like Christians and I would empower them to live out and equip them to live out their baptism. Yeah. like period. That's what I would do a but, I, but I love where you're going
1: with this because it, and, and small group ministries can be the same way too. It's like if you're truly meeting the needs and growing your ministry, there has to be an organicness mm-hmm. to this, right? And that it can't all be controlled and it shouldn't all be controlled. And if it's, I understand desire to kind of follow church teaching and stuff like that, but but if, if we're serious about passing on the faith, then we've got to let some of that organicness happen so that people can live up to the charisms, to your point earlier, the charisms that they have, and, and use those gifts in their own unique way. And you have to let go of some control, knowing full well that the Holy Spirit is fully in control of all of this, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. That's very difficult for, well, I'll say it's very difficult for me, but I don't think I'm alone as a church leader in, in, in having that challenge.
2: No, like number one conversation I had with parish parishioners over the course of the last few years that like a lot of us, a lot of our mood was me just saying, Tony, you should take your own advice. Like I always tell youth ministers, if you wanna be a small group leader, be a small group leader, don't be a youth minister. Hmm. Like, you know, like not that a youth minister can't be a small group leader, but if your primary thing is I wanna be like feeding into the lives of eight to 12 teenagers, go do that don't pretend like you want to run a parish ministry like there's somebody else who's going to have the gifts for that who can step in just do the thing that you actually has God has placed on your heart to do I didn't want to run evangelization programs I was very successful at it but it wasn't what I wanted to do I wanted to evangelize people and I didn't have the margin in my life to actually be able to do that directly as much as I wanted to be doing it. And so I listened to myself. The other big thing that I told people over and over again, people would come to me and say, Tony, I think X is important. I think we need to be uh, serving um, uh, people with special needs. I think we need to be looking at like raising money for Africa. Hey, there's a huge homelessness population in the area. There's a drug addiction like issue in the area. Like how are we responding to these needs? And I was like, I don't know. Like, if God's put that on your heart how are you responding to that they're like no we need a parish initiative like the whole parish needs to be bought on this and my response nine times out of ten was like why like like God has put this on your heart and not to say that like I won't rally other people around you like if your statement is I want to start feeding the homeless great let's run a thing in the bulletin Chris wants to start feeding the homeless as a parish we absolutely want to support that if you've got a passion for feeding the homeless here's chris's email address please reach out to him like we've set him up with a number of resources and, and and tony's gonna help the first couple of sessions get him off the ground at the local soup kitchen or the local you know um, homeless center like to get things going and then y'all are gonna take it from there and i use chris's name it. as an example because chris does that like i know chris chris has done that he came to me already deeply entrenched in serving and feeding the homeless and so when he was like how do we do this as a parish i was like i don't know let's let's meet with this group of people, let's get people involved, let's mobilize them, but you just run, like you're already doing it, why am I gonna step in and then all yeah. of a sudden make it a parish thing, yeah. like let's just do it, but they don't want that, they want right. it to be important in the eyes of the parish, and in their mind, important in the eyes of the parishes. we're a ministry of the parish, the pastor comes to the things that we do, staff people are bought in, and by bought in, I mean they show up and run my PowerPoint presentations for me because I don't know how to use technology. Um, and, And a number of other things that don't make sense, but also then we also have to lay on hey, here's safe environment clearance, mm-hmm. here's liability insurance, here's all these other things, that if you just did it with a couple of friends and if we were just empowering you and it wasn't an official ministry of the parish, you could be so much more fruitful because this is what God's calling you to as a baptized Catholic. So just go do it. And so over and over again, I would have these conversations. And, you know, sometimes it would be fruitful, like with Chris, which is why I use them as an example. The vast majority of the times it was like, no, if the parish doesn't think it's important, then I'm not going to do it. But that's a, limited, that's a limited belief, right? right. It's a limited right. belief. We're limiting right. ourselves in, in, in
1: what ministry is. And we think that only, only, the only ministry we have is let's run to the church. Well, that's not true. And, and what you're doing with your life is an example of, of it's not. It's I'm living out in my own way and shape right. and form. And, and that's what we need more of. How do we empower people to, to follow their baptismal call and mm-hmm. just go do and not wait for pastor's right. permission or faith formation director's permission. Just go do. Right. And let me you know and let
2: me yeah, let me clarify. Like before we moved here, I talked to Anthem about this and said, Would this be welcome? I talked to the new evangelization office <laughs> and said, Are we welcome here if we yeah. want to come? Right. Like we had those high level conversations. Once we realized what Parish we were going to be in, I set up an appointment with the pastor. I sent an email. I said, Hey, here's what we want to do. And I laid it all on the line and I said, Like, look, if you don't want us to do this, it doesn't mean that we won't do it on a very low level, but if you, if we're not welcome here, if this isn't something you want in your parish, if you don't wanna to have to deal with the reality of us being here, like we'll wait a year and we'll move. Like, you know, like we'll we'll wait till our lease is up mm-hmm. and we'll do things on a very low key level and then we'll move somewhere else. Like we'll find a parish that does want it. Um, you know, and I wasn't, I was, I was it was a very tactful conversation, but I was very clear, like you as the pastor, as the person responsible for the salvations of these souls, like I want to be in line with you. If this is not something you see as a welcome thing here, just tell me now Man. Mm-hmm. so that we can go do it. And he and like I beautifully our pastor and I, I wrote a little I wrote a thing on our Patreon about it, uh patreon.com slash H O B L uh to <laughs> uh to just kind of talk about our first meeting with him. But like you know, like I was also, they don't have youth ministry here. So I was like, I don't want to run youth ministry, but I know how youth ministry runs. So if you want to get a small group, small discipleship program set up, I'd be happy to train parents on how to do that and help create a division for that. Um, I just reached out to him last week and was like, Hey, I don't know if you have an advent retreat for staff planned. Um, But he was like, I've always wanted to do one. It's never like it never makes it to the top of my list. I'd be totally open to that. So I went yesterday with him and sat down and started planning out me doing an advent retreat for our parish staff. Like it's it's an open conversation about as somebody who's here to care for this community spiritually. Like I do want health, spiritual health for the parish staff. I want them to be supported. I want to have a good relationship with them, but I wanted to be very clear with him also. Like you have you have the ability to give me permission. On whether or not i can do this in your parish boundaries because i'm a catholic and i respect that mm-hmm. but you also are not running it like this is something yeah. we're doing you're not taking on any liability or responsibility but i want you as my pastor to speak spiritually into my life to hold me spiritually accountable if you have an issue with something that happens i want you to tell me so that we can talk about it so that we can pray together um, and it's just been great like he's helped us find furniture here locally like after we're done recording i'm gonna go like he's get, he loaned us the parish pickup which was way less way less liability conversations were had than should have been had but that doesn't matter he was like here's the keys come from grab tomorrow didn't ask for a driver's license insurance anything else like that totally 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 beautiful just trust of like i love what you guys are doing he was willing to rent a u-haul truck for us if we needed more space Um, like he's he's very much like how do i support this vision helps is obviously a charism of his um like just helping other people in, in, in implementing their vision and as we're having conversations around Youth ministry and disciple and and evangelization locally, he's like, he's very understanding of this is what you're doing. Even if you're going to come in for this conversation, here's the other person we're going to put this on, Mm -hmm. right? Not you. You're just going to help get it up and going, Um, which is great. Like, it's a great symbiosis. So it's not about just like bucking the parish and saying, screw you. Like, you should have, your pastor should know the ministry work that you're doing because he should be rejoicing in that. Mm -hmm, Like he should be celebrating that, like part of that's fed by the the Eucharistic feast, by the body, blood, soul, and the name of Jesus Christ every Sunday and by the community of believers. And it should be galvanizing that community of believers and motivating them into doing those things. So it's understanding like go and do, right? And then share with your community, share with your parish, Mm -hmm. like the fruit of all of those things. Um, But yeah, that's that's I mean like it's it's a it's a cool thing to operate and, and the biggest sign of God's providence in all of this is just how smoothly those parish-based conversations that's great. Uh, have gone.
1: Well, that's a testament certainly to your pastor and your leaders there too in terms of their vision, right, and 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 their servant hearts. But I, I have to imagine that many pastors and, and uh, parish ministers would be open to those conversations and be open to those opportunities uh, again if they're willing to cede control to the holy spirit right, right. you know and, and i think that's an important piece but again when you present it like that like i imagine many pastors would jump on that and say that i'm in i totally support that you go right right
0: i, I don't know the, the... I'm not sure about that, because that takes a lot of humility to allow someone else to come in and run something that um could bear a lot of fruit. you know, like uh, I, I think you're extremely blessed. I don't think it's unique, but I think you're extremely blessed, Tony, that you you you're in a parish where the pastor is like, yes, you know, says yes to 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 this calling and to this ministry because the the tension that would have um uh, accumulated would have been would have been really uh, unfortunate. Um, and maybe it's not pastors, but I think that's a, a reminder for those of us who are leaders in parish ministry, that if someone comes with you with a good idea, a plan, the ability to run it, the be, uh, ability to move forward with it, get out of the way. I mean, you know, uh, praise them in public, you know, encourage them, see how you can resource them and keep them going, but get out of the way because Uh, that's not what God's calling you to do. And that doesn't mean you're not successful. You know, it doesn't mean you won't get, you know, credit. I mean, if anything, you'll get credit for getting out of the way, which is a huge skill, a huge Mm -hmm. gift uh, to do. So, um, uh, kudos to your pastor. And yeah, um,
2: like I said, the the charism of helps for a pastor is not actually super common. Like it's not, it's not very common. It, it, It may be more common than we know, but the, the reality is like people who have helps as a charism are oftentimes like, how do I go out of my way to help this other person, like achieve the vision that they have, right? How can I give into that? And, and there's like the charism of service is more like, how do I generally help people? This one is more like very focused, I want to maximize what these other people are doing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that does require somebody who has a temperament that lets you say, not only am I permissive, I can step back like i don't need to micromanage um and i also don't need any sort of ownership down the road like i know tons of pastors who would have said yes but then as soon as they didn't like something would have wanted to do assert control you know like they would have wanted to say no 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 no, no. Like, i want it i want it this way instead right um and i think that would have for me have been like the the most devastating situation of like yes but but actually no you know <laughs> like um and because i I'm, i can deal with no I can deal with yes, I always tell people like maybe or let me think about it with no intent to respond or with an intent to actually do something else is the worst answer I can possibly get. Um, And so like I'd much rather get a no uh, and have it kind of be clean and clear that this is not happening than I would a maybe um, that never resolves or resolves in a really weird way.
1: Tony, this has been really incredible. Thank you for, for taking the time to, to share this. We, we've been on together for over an hour and, and Chris <laughs> and I, we're going to split this up into two podcast episodes that will be released on the churchpodcast.org. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Uh, where can people find out a little bit more information about you, social media, website, uh, if people want to connect with you more directly?
2: Yeah. So at Tony Vicenda on pretty much any platform is going to be the best way to get to me. Uh, sometimes I have two accounts and so the active one maybe like Tony underscore Vicinda, but Tony Vicinda. If you search it, uh, I'm the only one. It comes up really easily. I don't know if I mentioned this. We do have a Patreon, Patreon.com/hobl, which actually like it's the only website we have right now. Um, right. If you can just follow it, you don't have to pay anything. Um, you'll get you'll get updates. We put out a lot of stuff for free. But like we know a lot of people who are interested in this are in ministry, so we actually have like. Our normal like giving level is like $10. We have a $2 level that gets you all the same stuff, but just acknowledges like you're in ministry. So you may not have $10 a month that you want are able to contribute, mm-hmm. but you may have $2 a month that you want to be able to contribute. So um, we don't care. Like our big goal is just the number of people who are bought in. We're looking for for 300 people to come alongside us, actually 333, cause that's super biblical, right? right uh, 333 right. people to come alongside us and just pray for us um, to be a part of that community, to be following that Patreon page. Um, so it explains what we do. It's where we document the process. It's where we put out our audio journals. Some of that stuff's just free. You can just see it. You can access it. Uh, some of that stuff is is paid content, all that money. Like we, we Catholic bomb co pays the bills at the house. Um, all the money that we collect for HOBL goes to supporting that ministry work and sometimes it is buying a piece of furniture for the house because currently like we don't have chairs or a couch Um, but uh, most of it goes to to groceries for meals with people um, helping financially support uh, people in the neighborhood eventually and then growing the work that we're doing there so all that money goes straight back into the work that we're doing Awesome. Great. Awesome. We'll make
1: sure that we link to all that in the show notes, go to the churchpodcast.org, episodes 108 and 109. And we'll have those notes in there for, for you guys there. So check it out.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And again, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, you can learn more about Tony at any of the sites he mentioned. We'll have those uh, links on the show notes on, uh, on our website. Um, you can also subscribe at our website or go to iTunes and we would love uh, for you to leave Um, a review especially a five-star review and share this with your friends and uh, um, just let them know about the awesome things that are going on in the world of ministry Uh, and uh, if you want to get in touch not just with Tony but I say with uh, John. uh, John where can people reach you?
1: Yeah I can be reached at thechurchpodcast.org of course but also (laughs) Successgroup.com and check me out there also on Twitter at John Rinaldo
0: john's got to brush up on his uh, exit strategy for this podcast because hey i would
1: that was smooth if you didn't mention anything nobody would have caught on
0: yeah 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 well i'm not gonna let you get away that easily after my oh, man. plane See, this crash this is the type of, uh... of
1: community that i'm living in tony is this what is this what you're building in your community
2: uh community <laughs> virtual community is actually an oxymoron digital community yeah. uh it doesn't actually uh the definition of community precludes that, but this is a, this is a beautiful friendship and a relationship. Nevertheless, so and, I appreciate watching.
0: John, this is the love language of the East Coast. So ah, that's Well, you know
1: the love language of the West Coast is not that. So I will work on
0: uh, understanding that chill. reality.
1: Yes. Yeah. There you
0: go. Um, but if you want to get in touch with John, uh, you can uh, definitely connect with him uh, there. And uh, if you want to connect with me, uh, go to anything dot com or on social media, marathon youth ministry. Um, and, of course, you can uh, learn more or connect with us at thechurchpodcast.org. Uh, Tony, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, would you mind uh, closing
2: us in prayer? I would love to. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious God, we place ourselves before you. And for those who are listening right now who are, who are burnt out, who, who tune into this because they're looking for skills or um, tips or how to do ministry better, God, we – we applaud that, but those are, those are oftentimes natural talents. And I would just pray for those who are listening, who are feeling burnt out, um, that you would speak deeply into their hearts about your presence, about the way that they are gifted, about the way that you love them and help them to operate out of the supernatural gifts and charisms that you've given them. Because God, we can burn out when we're operating underneath our own power, God, but we cannot burn out when we are operating underneath your grace. You guide us and you hold us. So for all those who are listening, I ask that you would just pour out a double portion of your spirit on them to lift them up and to lift up the ministries that they operate. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.